Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Neil. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am delighted to welcome my guest on this show today. He made a total of 109 appearances for the club, scoring five goals. He played alongside the likes of Mickey Droy, Colin Lee and Colin Pate. Here is Peter Rhodes-Brown. Peter, lovely to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks Keith and thanks for inviting me. Uh, something I love talking about, my, my career, my life and stuff, so... Uh, yeah, this could be fun. Well, hopefully you're going to enjoy it. That, that, that's the main thing. I want to start the interview, as I have done with my, my other guests, Peter, by asking you what are your earliest memories of getting involved in football, whether it was as a kid or whether it was as a player. What are your earliest memories of falling in love with the game? I think you look at the photographs that, that we have, the old black and white photographs back in the day, and almost every photograph I've got a ball under my arm or I've got a ball at my feet. So that was an early thing. Um, I'm one of three boys. I'm the youngest of, of, of three lads. And my mum and dad were quite sporty. Dad was, dad was a footballer, actually. Um, two-footed winger, something that I wasn't, but a two-footed winger. And, uh, and he was on the Arsenal books. Uh, but he got over that in the end, Keith. Yeah. But uh, he, didn't, he, he got as far as the reserves and then had an injury and then I had to pack up the game. Uh, that was just like post-war. Um, so sport was always big in our family. So, but I, I just love. I, I played football from the age of six and seven, and just down the streets as we all did, and down the park, and you know. And then I just gradually got better and better, and enjoy, enjoyed my Saturday, my school football, my Sunday football, and it just progressed from there. Who were your footballing idols growing up? A bit of George Best. Um, I love love watching Bestie. Uh, he was doing the Saturday morning program as well. I remember. Um, I don't know, there, was, there was it was just some 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 great players, you know. Uh, some, later on, it was people like you know you Aussies and stuff. I'm not being cheesy, but Osgoods and stuff. And I ended up playing with him for a short time, and he came back for the second time. But again, that's that's for later on in the interview. But um, I like watching John Robertson, um, Dave Thomas. So those guys, just wingers, just gifted wingers with great feet. Um, I remember Dave Thomas never wore shin pads and Everton and QPR. 
Just, just great players like that, really. Just, just gifted players. Is it because of that that it made you want to become a, a wide player? That you wanted to sort of maybe have that in your locker that you think, okay, I can do that. I don't know. I was, I was always, I was county champion sprinter, so I was, I was a hundred meter sprint champion when I was at Teddington School. Um, I was the fastest in in uh, in Surrey. I enjoyed my, my my athletics as my brother was a was a um, an English champion as well. He's another sprinter, but he, he couldn't kick for toffees, but he could run for England literally. Um, so no, I played centre forward everywhere. Every, everywhere I played for Hampton Rangers or for Teddington School or for the district or for the county, I was I was a striker because I was quick and uh, I get it over the top. And nine times out of ten, which you won't believe. If you're listening to this, you're Chelsea supporter. If you're listening, mate, lads, um, nine times out of ten, I'd finish. <laughs> that all that all went by the wayside at some stage later in my career. But no, but, but just because I was quick and, and a lefty, it, it I don't know, I, I just stood out a little bit more than some of the other lads, I suppose. Now, you came through the ranks at Chelsea in the 70s. What was yeah. it like back then being involved with the youth setup, but then hopefully building up towards playing for the first team? Well, it's a bit of a legend, actually, because I, when I was at primary school at Hampton Hill, um, Bill Nicholson at Tottenham asked my dad if I could go and join Tottenham. My dad said no. Um, and Chelsea asked when I was 11 as well, and dad said no, unbeknownst to me. And when I got to secondary school, uh, I was playing for Hampton and uh, playing quite well, doing all right. And then Chelsea came in and asked me again if, if or asked my dad if he could, they could get permission to, to give me a trial. So I went down, I went down to, to Mitcham, down at the old training ground at Mitcham there, and joined. Uh, I had a, had a Sunday, had two or three, four games, scored loads of goals. One of those days, key to it, everything just, you know, just fell, fell in place. Uh, scored loads of goals, enjoyed it. And then straight away, I think Dario Guardi was there and Ken Shelito was there and, you know, some good names. Uh, and they asked me to go and train. And I, I so I trained from the age of 12, Tuesday and Thursday nights at Mitcham. Sometimes we went to the bridge and trained in the car park at the back. I just travelled on the train and the buses and the underground on my own, 12 years old, crazy. Uh, and then mum and dad picked me up uh, afterwards, did that. Played for Chelsea in the school holidays. Still playing for my local Sunday side, which you could do in those days, but not now because obviously academy statuses and stuff. So, yeah, and just got to the age of 15 and then just enjoyed myself. Just loved playing with some of the youth team boys there and then got to 15 uh, and a window of opportunity opens. Um, it still does now. So Chelsea offered me a two-year deal to take me to leaving school. But so did uh, Palace, QPR, Arsenal and Tottenham were chasing me at 15, which is which is which is nice, which is fantastic. Which was very confusing for a 15-year-old boy because I was quite I was a blue. You know, from then on I was a blue. Um, so I turned down Tottenham and Arsenal straight away, too far to go. Um, went to Palace, went out with uh, went to Palace for a week or went to QPR for a week. Got taken out by Terry Venables uh, at lunch with mum and dad. He, he flashed the cash, tried to get me over the line, but I decided to, to come to stay with Chelsea. And such the right thing to do because two years later, I made my debut at 17. So, yeah. And you'd make your debut for Chelsea against Wrexham 
in December of 1979. Yeah. It was albeit from the bench, but what do you remember about that game and what a great moment that must have been for you, as you say, 17 years old and coming on for Chelsea? Well, when I signed, I signed the apprenticeship, uh, Ken Shellito was, was involved with the club then and he signed me, he came around and signed me apprenticeship. Danny Barnes-Flower was the manager. I love Danny. I, we all love Danny. Um, so Danny, Danny was the manager and then I had, I had a year under Danny, did really well, uh, did my first year and he signed me pro. After, after one year, uh, I didn't have to do any jobs. So all, all my other two-year apprentices that I'd signed with were still cleaning boots and toilets and stuff. And I'm I'm just going home early. But uh, to be fair, I, I did I did do my jobs as well. Um, so I, I was a first-year pro. And then Jeff Hurst took over in September, 79. And I was doing all right. I was just, you know, for, for, I was a left... I'd gone from centre-forward to left-wing. In the youth team, when I played with Chelsea youth team boys at Molsey, I was playing centre forward and scoring goals, um, and then I know, Gary Donnellan came in, and a couple of other guys came in, and I got pushed out to the left, and uh, and, and just started to run past fullbacks, and I was doing all right. So that ended up being my um, position, I think. And then uh, Jeff Hurst and Bobby Gould came in, and then I, I got I got told to to travel up as kit boy. In those days, it was one sub and one kit boy, mm. and I travelled up after Christmas, dis- December the twenty ninth. Um, overnight hotel, getting getting it ready with Norman, getting all the kit ready and everything else like you do. I loved it. it was just you know, I was only I was only young, and you got your Mickey Joys and your Ron Harris is there, and mm. Gary Locke, Ian Britton. Goodness me, you know it was <laughs> fantastic. And Gary Johnson, you know, Jono was sub, so woke up in the morning. Gary Johnson's food poisoning, so I got promoted from kit boy. No, hang on. I was still kit boy because it was just me and I was sub. So just Hursty just said, obviously do all your jobs with Norman, but you're going to be sub today. Uh, we were 2-0 down. I think Dixie Dean scored a couple. 2-0 uh, down on match of the day. And Jeff said, go on then. Give me 20 minutes. Go and enjoy yourself. So uh, loved it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And it was, it was a long journey home, but it, it was good. And my uncle, my uncle Morris, my uncle Mole uh, taped it all on match of the day and I went around there on the Sunday and watched myself. It was the weirdest thing ever, <laughs> Keith, I'm telling you. Must have been a special moment, though. Yeah, good. You know, everyone was proud, and I think I think I just I think I made a phone call uh, back home uh, to say to Dad, "Don't go out down a pub because I'm on I'm on at ten thirty-five. You know, um, hopefully I'll get on, and I did. No, no, special moments in your life. You know, you you know, birth of your kids or this, that and the other and different things. But, you know, special moments like that just stick with you forever. And Ron Harris, I, I, I came on for Ron as well. So um, that was another bit of a moment for me. Uh, he, he, he came off and shook my hand and said good luck. And uh, really nice, really nice times. You mentioned Jeff Hurst. He was the manager at that point, sort of when you um, were starting to get regularly involved in the first team. What was he like as a coach? Um, I think expectation was was good. Uh, when, he, when he came in with, with Gordy, um, he was a character, Bobby. He was, he, but him and, him and Jeff had obviously been at West Ham together. And um, they were not a bad combination together. But I think with what Jeff had done in his past, I think it, that came with him. And that, that was a big thing to, to, to have on your shoulders. Um, you know, not many people hardly anybody or nobody has scored a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Um, 
but as a coach, he struggled. Um, Gordy did a lot of the coaching, uh, but Jeff sort of he made a bit of a barrier between the players and the staff, uh, which didn't help. Um, we got some strong characters with like your Rons and your, your big Mick. Mickey Joy was our captain and our and our leader, and still is to this day. I can tell you, um, but yeah, he, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't want to diss anybody at all in his club because this club is, has been magnificent for me, but. And obviously, Jeff gave me my debut and you know uh, and, and everything else. But um, I think he just struggled to get in, in his point of view and his, his the way he coached over to the players. Um, but as a personal thing, I've met him a couple of times since, and he's obviously well, not obviously, but he's remembered me, and and I've always been very respectful of thank you for giving me a chance and you know signing me. Um, you know, he gave me another year's contract after I had a two year deal and. You know, so very encouraging, and it was it was a good platform for for the future of my career. And you started the next season off quite well. You scored your first goal for Chelsea in a two two draw against Wrexham. For you, this must have been a a, a great feeling, finally getting <coughs> off the mark for Chelsea. Yeah, I think one, once um, I made say I made my debut in the January, uh, December before, and then be, between January sorry December and the end of the season, I, I made. Another four sub appearances, and I made my full debut away from home at Charlton, and we won two one. Um, that was a day, uh, and then so I hadn't made my home debut yet, my home full debut yet, because I'd come off the bench a couple of times. So yeah, red hot day, sixteenth of uh, August. To remember these dates, mate. You know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember these things. Um, and yeah, played right wing. They set me up as on on the wing on the right, and I cut in and. Scored. It was a red hot day. I remember that Mickey Philly scored the other one. Um, but again, you know, scoring my first senior goal at the bridge, yeah. uh, first game of the season in front of, I wouldn't know, probably about 20, 25, 30,000. Not too sure what the crowd was, but it was a big crowd. Um, and I bet everybody went, oh, hang on, we found some, we found a goal scorer here. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> you did become a prominent member of the first team. How key was it to have that confidence from your teammates, from the coach and also from the fans to have that for you going forward? Yeah, yeah. It's I think all, all players like the crowd to be on their on their side. You know, there's nothing worse than you know them calling your name out and everyone gets a bit of a groan, but but you've got to earn that and I and I get that. And um, being wingers, you can either I mean, we say even in these uh, in, in nowadays, you know, wingers can win you the game, but they can also lose you the game. But I, I would suggest that I was a hundred percent player because even though sometimes you know things don't go well for you, you know, you have you having a bad day, but I always used to dig in and work hard and chase back and and tackle and stuff. So I'd like to think that the Chelsea supporters were so even if I wasn't having a good day at crossing the ball, um, sometimes my distribution wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, my work rate was was fine, and I, I was a good I was a good team player. You know, I played in front of Dennis Rowe for a couple of seasons, and I, and I I see Dennis every now and again because he comes to Oxford United where I am now uh, as a scout for Southampton and different clubs and Leicester. Mm. Um, and Dennis said I put two years on his career because he just said, "Rosie, don't go anywhere, mate. You sit in front of me." Um, <laughs> so teamwork was a good team spirit was good. Um, Mickey kept us together. You know, you got players like you know Pacey's Chivs. Uh, honestly, just you could go through the team walks. Um, you know, Johnny Bumstead. Uh, you know, and then we had we had, the thing. 
Keith, we had the wingers as well. So we had a little bit of a wingers union going on with Phil Driver, you know, Paul Cannibal in the end and and and, and we pack came in, but it was it was me, Clive, and uh, you know, Phil Driver at the time, sort of thing. So yeah, we had a little wingers union and we generally played four four two. Yeah. And it was just basic. This is what you should be doing. Four four two, get it out wide, get the ball in the box to Colin and Clive or or Alan Mays or you know, or you know, it's just people confuse the game sometimes too much this, these years. They overcomplicate it. Yes. Of course they do. Yeah. You mentioned the game against Wrexham. It was twenty thousand. Okay, that's not bad. That's not 20, bad. That's, yeah, that's good, man. That's um, you know, from from a, from a Sunday, uh, you know, Hampton boy, a local, you know, Chelsea boy, to go from Hampton Rangers with your mum and dad and a, and a local dog, and and then you've got twenty thousand people watching you. Um, yeah, just nice, good days. That's put a little chill up my spine, man. <laughs> <laughs> in the turn of the year, Chelsea took a downturn in in results, and confidence wasn't really there with the results and even the performances. Why do you think that was? Was it a case of maybe players started to perhaps overcomplicate things, as we've, as we've just sort of mm. discussed, or? Was it maybe some of the manager's decisions? What was it about? Because Chelsea, from a good point, just results-wise, just crashed down and they ended up not getting promoted that season. Yeah, I think, um, I think you probably nailed it. That it's, as players, we knew, we, we knew what we wanted to do and, and we worked hard and, and we had a bit of a game plan. But that's got to come from the management as well. Um, uh, and when things go wrong, you've, you've got to dig in a little bit harder and a bit deeper as players. But you've also got to have some direction from the manager uh, and have some belief. Um, we've had a few. We had a few decent games. I, I remember the, the the Watford game when we went and won three two, because that was when Jefford booked a flight to Finland to go and to want to, to sign some players, and we just went out and played out of our skin and won three two. And he cancelled his flight and said, "I've got enough players here." But I think he probably booked another flight three weeks later. <laughs> but I. It's got to come from the players, yeah. Um, I believe in that, but you do need to have the right direction from behind. So I think we just struggle with support and direction from from Jeff. I have to admit, there was one game in particular. It was against Newcastle at home. You can watch the full highlights on our channel. Colin Lee scored a hat trick. Yeah, it, it was Lee's third goal. Your cross, and I was watching it back sort of earlier today. It was outstanding. It was such a great cross for that for, for that third goal. That, um, you know, and well, everything at that point just sort of came into just fell into place. It seemed you know there was decent chemistry amongst the entire team, and things were looking mm-hmm. quite well. But as you said, for 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 whatever reason, confidence or something else. It was just a shame that that period Chelsea didn't sort of push on and get promoted yeah. that season. Yeah, I remember that game clearly because you know it, I always remember all the good stuff, but also do remember the, the the bad stuff because I think it's important to balance your life out that way. Mm. But uh, the week building up to that, I got called in to say that uh, you're going to be starting Saturday. Phil Driver got called in to say he was going to get he's going to be playing Saturday, so we got given Wednesday off because that was a general thing it is nowadays as well. Um, so I came in on the Wednesday with Bob Isles, the goalkeeper, because he was our number two goalkeeper. So, and I lived near Bob. So Bob Isles came into the bridge and Phil Driver turned up as well to do some extra. And we hadn't planned it. 
So we just went out on there and just crossed the ball, crossed the ball, crossed the ball. Come Saturday, um, we were doing it with a, you know, with blindfolds on because it was just, it was a good, Phil was incredible that day. Yeah. And I remember obviously the last goal, I just ran there, length of the field and jinked and crossed it in for, for Colin. Um, I had the longest hair and the worst moustache in the world. So please don't <laughs> zoom in on that one. Um, but, no, all, but again, that was a great day. Peter Barotta in goal. You know, yes. the mad Yugoslav. And I think we had Chris Hutchins at left back. And yeah. you know, we, we had a great bunch of lads. You know, Mickey Nutton, I think. I think he played that day. Um, or was it Steve Francis in goal? I can't remember now either way. No, Steve was the, the Liverpool goal. But, um, you know, some, just, you know, you go through the, your, your, your team, as you said earlier. You know, some great characters. Yeah. But we, we just weren't consistent enough. And if you're not consistent enough, you know, you, you're just going to fall away. Um, but I will say that the supporters were incredible that year. Um, they, you know, they did stick with us, and they, and you know, they talk about the, the period when we weren't great, uh, and we weren't, but we used to put in a shift if, if you know, anyway. In the summer of 1981, there was a change in the in the coaching structure. John Neal would become the Chelsea manager. What were your thoughts at the time on this change? Yeah, I, I think. Because it was such a poor season, um, it needed a change, and we knew it. You know, and we we knew that we needed to change uh, management and maybe some some players in and out as well, <laughs> be it yourself or somebody else or whatever. You just never know. Um, but because I was there till you know, since I was twelve, I thought I was going to be there until I'm about one hundred and six. I didn't even consider transfers, so therefore I'm going to stay. Um, a new manager comes in, John Neil. Just chalk and cheese to Jeff Hurst and Bobby Gould, you know, he's just a quiet, quiet man. Um, brought Ian McNeil as well with him. It was Scotsman, who was a bit of a character. Um, and it was it was good. And he, he, yeah, he was able to speak to the players. And, you know, as young players as I was then, um, I think I was, I was 19, 20 then. And I was able to, to, to speak to him and he was able to have a conversation with him. I wasn't scared of him or... And uh, and he was he was well organised as well, Keith. He was very well organised. I've heard a lot of good things about John. Whether it was a case of recruitment, whether it was sort of coaching, and just more yeah. talking to the players, and just sort of having that understanding of what what the strengths are within the players, and using that to your advantage. Yeah, well, what, what makes everyone tick? Exactly, that's what he had. I was possibly the only highlight of the 81-82 season. And if people are, are aware of this, then brilliant. If you're not, find it on YouTube or find it somewhere where you've got the highlights. You've got second division Chelsea going up against the reigning European champions in Liverpool in the FA Cup and Chelsea batter them 2-0, richly deserved. And mm-hmm. a very young Peter Rhodes Brown opens the scoring. Talk to yeah. us about that day. Well, uh, if I'm looking around my my dining room now here in Oxford, I've got oh, there's, a, there's about five or six pictures of it there. Behind me, there's another photograph of it there, and there's there's lots on the wall here. So uh, yeah, probably the moment that put me on the map. And uh, uh, but when the draw came out, it's crazy because you think, right, yeah, who, who are we going to get? Yeah, yeah, I hope we get Liverpool, I hope we get, do we get Man United or do we get, you know, we get Swansea away or something like that. And uh, Liverpool came out of the hat and we went, oh, okay, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, and the, the team, in, you know, 
just rush Dalgleish, you know, Lawrence and Hanson, Grobler, you know, uh, Kennedy at Sunas and uh, McDermott. Hang on, you know, it just rolls off the tongue. European champions, you know, best, best, best team in Europe. So, and we weren't particularly playing well at all, which is possibly an understatement. Um, so we thought, well, hang on, if I think Mickey Joy's quote was, well, if we win, if we win a couple of quarters, that'll be a right bonus. Um, <laughs> or I think he also said, if we win the toss, that'll be the only thing we win. Uh, my dad was a Liverpool supporter, so it was a little, our house was a little bit torn, but he, uh, he did, did actually say before the game, I hope, I hope Chelsea lose 2 1, and I hope you score, he said. But yeah, the build up to it was great. We, you know, we, you still got to play your league games before that game, and you know who you're playing in a few weeks' time. So, John Neil, uh, even Mickey Joy said, nobody thinks about Liverpool until the final whistle of the game before. You know, we, the league's more important than uh, than the cup and everything else, which is true. But it's always just in the back of your head, isn't it, when you're making a a, a challenge or a run down a wing? And uh, but probably you want to play well because you want to stay in the team. Yes. Yeah. And in terms of the day itself, when did you know that you was going to be starting in that game? Did I think you know a couple of weeks on the day, or did you know sort of beforehand? Well, well, I was I was playing well. I was doing all right. I was I was, um, I was in the team, so I, uh, I you never assume, but uh, I was the way we set up during the week. Um, the, the, the gaffer set us up during the week on different things, and back in those days, you know, you you would do it. There would only be sometimes one or two. Um, places that might not be uh, cemented until the Saturday, but generally, I think he's picked the team. I think he picked the team on Wednesday or Thursday, so we could just relax and just concentrate. You know, Kevin Hales as well, just you know, some great little players in there, and um, yeah, and it was it was a, it was a it was a blooming good day. We we turned up, and uh, I think that was forty eight thousand crowd. I think that was that was quite a big crowd, or forty two thousand. Uh, again, that's the one of the biggest crowds I think I've ever um, played in front of. Um, the atmosphere was incredible. The noise, you know, just uh, I think meeting up beforehand. We used to meet up down Lily Road at Lily Hotel, up the road, and just have our pre-match meal together and do a little bit of team bonding, and then drive our cars and driving the cars into the stadium and people just banging on top of your VW Beetle. You know, it's just. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You were you know, just just incredible. Just whoa, Rosie, whoa, so no chance today, son. I said no, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Going to try to get through the crowd. Um, great memories. And then, um, yeah, we just kicked off and you know kicking away from the shed end, and we started off quite well. We started off very well actually. Um, but the game plan was, to be honest, just don't let them settle on the ball. Just, just work hard, and if you let them settle on the ball, we're going to come away losers. So, just go in and just hustle together. Um, and I just remember toe poking the ball off Taylor McDermott. Colin Lee's tapped it back to me, and I've just run what near near from the halfway line. I have got one, just me one one on one with with Grubler as he come out. I knew no one was going to catch me. I don't know if I've mentioned, but I was a I was I was a champion hundred meter runner, and there's no one's going to catch me, uh, not even Hanson or Lawrenson. And I've just I've just I didn't hit it too well, but I did it well enough, and it just crept in the far side, and yeah, possibly the worst celebration of a goal ever. But I I hadn't scored many, so um, 
But that was six and a half minutes into the game, though, Keith. So we had a long way to go. Long way, yeah. But we took the game to them. We were, we were still very good all game. And then when Colin Lee scored the second, pandemonium went in the stands. And play, again, you look at some, some of the players' reactions when Lee scored. It's like, are we beating Liverpool here 2-0? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, what's going on here? And then you get the final whistle. Fans are going insane. What was... You know, what was the reaction like with the players? Was it a case of, what have we just done? Or was it a case of, yeah, well done, lads. We're going to move yeah, on a, a bit of both, I think. I remember, because I played next door to Sammy Lee, because Sammy was out there second half. And uh, he was chasing me rather than me chasing him for a change. And as soon as the final whistle, if you watch it on YouTube uh, and you get it, keep going after the final whistle. Because there's, there's like 30,000 people just come out of the stands and just jump on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like ants coming on, and it's just incredible. Um, and Sammy Lee straight away came, came straight over to me after the final whistle and said, You've been magnificent, boys. You thoroughly deserve that, you know, which was just res- so respectful. Uh, and then that was it. I just got, and then I think we got swept away and round the corner and back again, and eventually got into the change rooms, and we all just went unbelievable. And I think there's a few photographs of us in the change rooms just drinking water. Uh, plastic cups, I might be champagne. Um, and it's, oh, I, we looked a little bit shell shocked. I think we did. And then we did interviews, and Brian Moore got me and everything else. And it was on the big match on the Sunday. Um, and my dad was in hospital actually because I said it was a Liverpool sport. He had, he had an operation on his brain, uh, water on the brain. Uh, and he was in London hospital. So I left there and went up there Saturday night straight after the game. Didn't even go home. Um, and then I went up there on a Sunday as well to see him. So, yeah, that went down well. So uh, he was pleased, I think. <laughs> now, to, to touch on, obviously, that was one of the key highlights of your time at Chelsea. One of the sort of maybe the low points was at the time when Chelsea could have gone down to the third division at that stage. And it was that game against Bolton where <laughs> Clive Walker scored that more important goal. Was there a concern amongst the boys with the results and with the fact that Chelsea weren't progressing as a club, that Chelsea could have gone down to the third division at that point. Yeah, no, the boys are, were so realistic. You know, you, you you can't hide away from from what you what you what you see and, and what you see in the papers and what we talk about. And it was, you know, it was we've got to dig in here, boys. And you know, we did dig in. We got, but we just couldn't score goals. You know, we just. We, we we were putting in shifts, but we just couldn't score goals. And all of a sudden, you lose one nil, lose two one, and stuff. And and we just struggled. We just absolutely struggled. And and it wasn't for the want of trying. I can tell you, you know. And and again, all the supporters turned up. And I just remember that day at Bolton. It was um, I was playing the week before, I think, and the week before that. So I was in the team. And then when John Neal came out and said, uh, "Right, this is a team." And that's when we didn't know the team until I think it's a Friday or the Saturday. I think it's Saturday lunchtime. And he named the team and he went, Rosie, you're going to be rubber dub. You're going to be sub today, son. Um, Clive, you're going to be playing. So I went, uh, and I just went, okay. You know, like, I'm, uh, I think I'm nine, I'm 20 now. I'm 19, 20, 20, yeah, 20, 21. And I went, okay. And you put your hands up and go, okay. I'll come on and save the game or whatever. I'll do what I can. And then uh, it didn't it rain. It was the worst. You know, just it rained and it was horrible. And the Chelsea boys were fantastic behind the goal. And Clive scored the goal and mayhem, and and the rest is history. But yeah, that's uh, it was 
such a relief because not just for us, but we we didn't want to go down for you guys, you know, for the supporters, because you know, even though we weren't doing great, you, the supporters used to travel everywhere. Miles, it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Miles, yeah. just remember Joey's Joey's debut at Carlisle away. Uh, was that that season? I can't remember when Joey came in. It was like after that. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, um, I remember Joey, and he said, "Old oh, boys won't travel up here, will they?" So I said, "Hey, wait until you come out the change rooms." He's come out, and it was. It must have been, I don't know, three, three and a half thousand Chelsea boys up there. And he just could not believe it. And he got sent off that day. We won one nil. He got sent off and he just became a legend from that day, both mm-hmm. on and off the pitch. So um we put in a we put in the performances for the supporters as well as for each other, hundred percent. Now for you personally, though, as as the player, was you happy with your development at this time under John Neal? Specifically, as you said, you've been there for a couple of years now. You've been involved in the first team. Was you happy with how your career was going, how your progression was going? I wasn't getting enough game time. I was I was in and out. Um, and as people say, a typical wing, I was, I was you know, I, I could fly down the wing and I could do well for a couple of games and then I'd have a couple of poor games. So I dragged me out, either change the system or, you know, you, you, you put Pat in or you put, um, see, Phil Driver had gone by now. So I thought there's one gone. And then you go, Canners is on his way through. So, you know, you've got all these, you've got wingers. And and it is, sometimes we played, you know, with one winger and made it a bit more heavier in midfield. We played a little bit lopsided. Genuinely, they played with, so Mickey, because when Mickey Fillery played, he played like left side midfield. Right. So he balanced it out. So he wasn't an out and out winger, but you'd put Ian Britton inside of him and then a few others and then an out and out pat on the right hand side. So um, we just overloaded the three in there with Bummers. Um, but if they wanted, if if they knew the right back was, you know, not as quick, sometimes I'd, I'd get the shout to play. But no, to answer your question. I, I, I demanded to play a bit more often. Uh, and I remember the week building up to the Derby County game in January '84. I'd been playing well in the reserves, I'd, you know, doing all right. Um, and Clive was playing in the first team, uh, and I was a quiet lad. Never used to speak a lot. That's changed. And uh, I, I knocked on the door. I knocked on the door, John Neal's door at Stamford Bridge. I remember walking in now. Gaffer, can I see you? Why, hey, hey, how are you, Rosie? You're a canny lad and all that. And I'll go, yeah, yeah, thanks, John. And I demanded to be on the team bus on the Saturday at Derby. And he went, hey, 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 how, how's things? And I've gone, yeah, yeah, family's good, thanks. And Because he was just a nice man, we've said that. Um and I'm just trying to be the hard man. I'm 20 years old, just trying to be, or 21 years old, just trying to be the hard man, which I wasn't and I'm not. And I said, I demand to be on that bus at Derby because I'm playing better than walks and I'm one of them. And I stood up for myself. And he went, oh, aye, yeah, aye, come. And he opened the door and said, see you later. So I said, okay. And I went home and the wife said, how did it go? And I said, I've got no idea because I got no, I couldn't read him at all that day, the gaffer. We went into training on the Thursday at Harlington. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, nodding and thinking, here we go. I'll be, now we're going to do a bit of set pieces and 11 v 11, I might be. And Patey said, Rosie, don't get changed. Gaffer wants to see you. So I'm nodding and thinking, I'm on the bus. He wants he wants to tell me I'm, I'm at Derby. And he says, sit down, Rosie. He said, um, just thought I'd let you know that we've just signed Mickey Thomas this morning. And I went, oh, he's a good player. I like Mickey. And he went, he's a left winger. And I went, oh, dear. Oh, dear. And then the penny dropped. And um, and I went, oh, 
And he said, so Jim Smith at Oxford United has, has made an offer for you, 85 grand, and uh, he'd like to have a look at you and will you go off and have a chat with him? And my first question was, what league are Oxford in? And he said, they're one below, but they're doing really well. Because I was just blinkered as a Chelsea boy, mate, honestly. Um, and so he said, uh, go on in. Uh, so I just said, I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to do because I've, I've never had a transfer. I just don't want to get stitched up. So John was great. Um, told me what to ask for. Told me how much money to ask for, what payment to get, what what else to be put on my contract. Um, I just drove up the A, uh, A40. Didn't have the M40 in those days. Drove up the A40, had a chat with Jim, and I signed the next day. So signed on Friday the 13th, and I didn't make the bus. <laughs> I was on the bus to uh, Lincoln with Oxford United, I'm afraid, not to Derby, but I didn't sign in time to play, so I missed the game. But yeah, so that was that was 40 years ago, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, 39, yeah. Near near enough. It's, yeah. as you say, you look back on that sort of time when you see the dates, it's it's quite incredible. When you talk about that time when you heard that Mickey Thomas was coming in, as you said, the penny dropped and you looked at the situation at any point during that time because you saw the summer of 83, Chelsea were bringing in the likes of Dixon, Nedswicky, and then they obviously brought in Mickey Thomas as well. Did you see that your future, before that, that your future lied away from the club or was it, as you said, as soon as John Neal said to you about Mickey Thomas, he was like, I think this is time to, for me to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, other players are not going to be a threat to you. You know, Dixie was a, was a, was an added bonus to a winner. Uh, David Speedy added bonus for, for winger. Just don't look up, just stick the ball in the box and you got near post, far post and, um, we've had a few of them days, which was fantastic. And, you know, Eddie behind you in goal. And so until somebody comes in, it's going to threaten your position, uh, Keith. It's, you, you just think you're going to, you're going to be there unless, I don't know, because, because I've never been involved in any transfers before, you know, um, I think, but as soon as he said, because he, he was, he had Mickey at uh, Wrexham, didn't he, before? So yeah. he knew him. So, um, but I didn't know that until the time, you know, like you don't think, you definitely don't think clear when things like that happen. So I just went, maybe it is the right time to move, you know. And it's, you know, I was so I've been at the club for ten years, uh, as you say, one hundred nine uh, appearances, and you know, some great days, some 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 crap days. But there you go, that's that's life. You know, you do the same when you're stacking shelves at Tesco. You have good days and bad days. So, but it's it was the right move. Don't know. I I, I signed for. For Oxford and we we went promotion, same as Chelsea did that year. By the way, the the day I left, Chelsea never lost a game that year. So you're welcome. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is, well, Mickey Thomas came in and everyone said, "Oh, Mickey Thomas came came in and we we didn't lose a game." They should be saying, "You know what? Peter Rose Brown left and we didn't lose, didn't a, lose game. a game." <laughs> so you know, don't don't just give credit to Mickey. You got to give credit to the uh, the boy going the other, opposite way in the revolving door. <laughs> Well, you've now brought it up on the show. So hopefully when people listen to this, they'll actually start to realise. So, no, Peter, fair play. Um, we want to talk about current stuff now, if we can. Um, yeah. Obviously, one thing that's been highlighted a lot over the last couple of years and it's divided a lot of opinion has been VAR. And thankfully, obviously, with your time at 
Oxford United. You've not had to have the dealings much with VAR. You've not had to deal with any issues or controversy. But from the outside looking in, what's your thoughts on the technology? Are you for it? Are you opposed against it? Um, I don't know. I did, but it didn't cause any issues not having it in the past. That's what I'm saying. You know, um, it, it, it's... You've just got to trust. We're human beings. You've got to trust the linesman. You've got to trust people make mistakes. Goodness me, you know. Um, but you do have to move on with technology and move 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 up and 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 get it in. But you, it's got to be done right. I think they they should have done it maybe in on the lower scale in the in the non leagues or in League One and Two back in the day, um, and then just trial it there rather than just bringing it straight into it because it's. Um, I spent an afternoon with Dermot Gallagher uh, and, uh, in Oxford a while ago and discussing all this, but it's some of it's been great for, for football, but most of it hasn't for me. Um, you know, what, if his level, level is on, if he's not, you know, it, it should be the simplest thing. Um, but it's caused so much controversy over the years. Um, is it worth it? Possibly not. But if you do make a mistake, I know what people are saying, that if you do make a mistake um, without VAR, that can cost people. You know, that can cost people promotion, which is millions and millions. It can cost people getting into the Champions League, millions and millions. So you, those decisions have got to be right. Job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, careers, jobs, everything else. However, so I'm saying that it's got to be right, got to be the right decision to bring in VAR. But even the, even VAR, sometimes they get it wrong, don't they? You know, and 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 they do. Even the top top boys say that they've got it wrong. So it's not it's not idiot proof. You know, for, for certain. Now speaking of idiot proof, because <laughs> a lot of performances last season were quite idiocy. Were Chelsea of twenty twenty three? New manager looks like a whole new team. Um, a lot of young players, similar to your age, and sort of around that sort of age of between. 17 to 20 coming into mm-hmm. the club what's been your thoughts on current day Chelsea obviously we've let go of a few of the regular guys like Mount and Kovacic over the over the course of the summer what's been your take on Chelsea of 2023 um again they I mean it's got, you, you individually some great players you, you you can see that you know individually got some tremendous players uh, I only came up a few times to watch the guys at the bridge, but about four times, um, and it wasn't great. And I'm like, and I just, I just felt lack of energy, lack of coercion. You know, um, we we talk about, you know, back in the day, if you've got somebody that's at the helm that is decent, that knows what he's doing, and and, and can work with your players and and get the best out of your players, that's you know, that counts for points and and performances. Um, supporters don't mind that, but if you you look out and you think people don't know what they're doing, you know, what have they been doing on the on the on the training ground? Or God, this this guy's picking up. That's the problem is that this guy's picking up x amount of money, and he's strolling around on the pitch. Uh, I've been a couple of times, as I said, and my boy Max went, "Do you know how much he's on?" So I said, "Probably," and he said, "Yeah." And I've gone. He said, "Why isn't he running around?" And he, and I've gone. I don't know. I said, "Doesn't matter whether he's on twenty p or fifty grand a, a minute." You pulling on the shirt, and, th- and Max said, "That's a bit of a cliche." And then pulling on the sh- paper shirt, I said, "No, that's what you do. You know, you you you. you that's what you do, uh, and people want you to just 
played for the shirt, man. I just, I don't know. So last year they did not enough. So obviously they changed the manager a couple of times. I said, I don't know whether that helped or not, but I suppose it did, and then it didn't, and then it went a bit wrong again. And but I think you know, Pop's come in, and I'm 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 looking forward to what he's done. And then he's the old new broom and everything. He's got rid of a few, hasn't he? So I, I'm looking forward to it, but it, I, I think we've got to be patient. I think you know you, you're not expecting it in this season. I'd like to think next, you know, give him two years at least to, to sort of bed in some quality and get them working together. But it's got to be nice and early, so there, there may be a chance that we can we can start hit the ground running. And he's got to get a formula going in terms of the players about how how he's how he wants the team to set up and how he wants them to play and. Obviously, certain results may go our way. Certain results probably won't go our way. But as long as the team cohesion is there and the performances and the competitiveness is there, that's not much else we, we can ask, to be honest. Yeah. No, bare minimum, I've, I've said it, I think, I can't remember which game it was, is that bare minimum, run around. <laughs> Just, you know, um, people... Didn't, didn't, off. didn't see enough of that last year. Definitely. Not at all, not at all. You know, I'm not, I don't want to mention names and stuff, but but some people are like digging out Gallagher and everything else. But but I like him because yeah. I, I like him because he, he played for the badge, yes, and and he's got a little bit of spirit about him. Um, and if he loses it, he chases back. He doesn't look at the heavens and blame somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, some of the youngsters have, have given us a lot of energy last year. You know, you got two or three there that on the fringes that would like to, but some of them played too much. Uh, in a in a bad spell where they got dragged into the bad stuff, you got to know as a manager to pull them out and put somebody else in, and you know, uh, uh, blood blood the kids every now and again, not all the time, um, but out with the old, in with the new, and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm I'm quite confident of what I've seen so far. Now, last question, Peter, how would you look back on your time at Chelsea? How would I look back on it? Hmm. Um, one of the best times of my life. Um, I know, again, probably cliche that I've, I've been lucky to be a footballer. Everybody at, at my school, everybody in, in the seventies and the eighties want to be a footballer. I managed to, you know, play 109 for for the mighty mighty Blues and you know a, a few more for the Yellows and playing in the top flight against Chelsea as well. So I don't know. And I've met so many magnificent players along the way. Um, and I've, I've made some great memories along the way, and we've talked about a lot of them here. Um, and I'm, I'm still talking to people. I'm still on Facebook with a lot of Chelsea boys. That are, you know, and we, we just we reminisce. And if you, you can reminisce the good, good, good times, you know, we can talk about the bad times as well. I think that's important, as I said. But um, some great people in football back in those days. Um, and when we met, and this typifies my career at Chelsea. 40 years later, we have a reunion, 83-84, uh, under the bridge was it last month. And I hadn't seen Colin Lee for 40 years. I hadn't seen Tony McAndrew for 40 years. Because once you leave, you leave, you know, uh, 40. I had not even contact. I didn't, didn't know how to get hold of Tony Mack. He was my roommate. And I went up to Tony. I went, all right, Tony. And he didn't recognise me. And then he looked at me and he went, and we had the biggest hug ever. We both had a tear and then we just went into so much stupid banter and stories that we had 40 years previous. Connolly hasn't changed anything a bit. Him and I chatted and it was just like yesterday. Speedo's just 
fruitcake and I love him. Panas hasn't changed. Um, you know, Patriot never changes. Chivs just, I don't know. And, and, and that's 40 years on. Yeah. So yeah. will the players of now, 40 years later, doing this? No, they won't because they no. probably won't recognise or won't want to speak to anybody. You know, and it's funny, but we we were just such a close unit. It was incredible. You could see that on that reunion. Um, I know that you were there, Keith, as well. It was a great night. And I talk about that night a lot. Um, and that made so made me feel so much more part of Chelsea. Because when I left, you know, when you leave a club, you think, oh, that's me done now. But I've come back a couple of times. and, and But that night just brought it home to me of, of how important that squad was and how good yeah. that squad was. Not just, not so much on the pitch, but certainly as a unit and off the pitch. And some great set of lads. No big time Charlies, you know. Mm. Just, but we had a few little fractions here and there, as we all know, and that that was healthy. Um, but it was just one of the. It, it, I mean, there I was there for for ten years. So ten years of my life, from twelve years old to twenty two, was great platform in my, in my career as well as my as my life. So. Yeah, thank you, guys. Well, Peter, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for talking about your time with Chelsea. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I'm sure my viewers are going to enjoy it. And it'll be great to see you back at the bridge for this coming season as well, once again. Come on, thanks, Keith. I'm looking forward to coming back and, and doing better this year than last year. Let's hope so. Peter, all the best. Thanks. Take care. Podcast Network.